0: Get it, girl, get it. Woo.
1: There's something loose between my legs apart from of the office. Bowsery, it's James. I'm hanging here like a cow. Radio check. Loud and clear.
0: Hello everyone, welcome to Back of the Grid. Uh my name's Chris and I'm joined as always by Tom. Hello. And just the two of us again this week, Stu, is, she'll be back imminently. But we are reaching the end of the summer break, amazingly. It's gone by incredibly quickly. I we are it just? It really has. We are in race week um, for the Belgian Grand Prix in just a few days' time. Um, but we've got a few bits of news we'll go through, first of all. Um, we'll start with some driver news, or it's more driver news with a question mark, because it's not official <laughs> yet. Italian and French media have been reporting that... Uh, an announcement from Mercedes is imminent that they're sticking with Bottas for another season next year. And as a result, they're also reporting that Ocon is leaving the Mercedes family altogether to uh, join Renault, as he almost did last year uh, before Ricardo sort of took his spot. Ocon, of course, then taking Hülkenberg's seat, which then opens up the sort of much-rumoured Hülkenberg-to-Hass move that's been going on for a while. Um, So it's sounding like in the coming days this sort of domino effect is going to start um one french magazine called auto hebdo have gone as far as putting ocon uh photoshopped into a renault race suit on the front of their next magazine
1: yeah
0: um hulkenberg then posted a picture of that magazine on instagram with the caption finally a more exciting thursday ahead um (laughs) he's in the press conferences on thursday so presumably that's what he's leaning towards or he's just trolling everyone and there's nothing to any of this um i guess we'll have to wait until thursday to find out uh there was another source that claims that the hulkenberg to Hass deal is already done but he's not going to be announced until monza again whether there's any truth to that or not who knows um i guess this is kind of what a lot of people expect is the most logical series of events would you say
1: yeah people were we talked about it ourselves didn't we saying that the ocon french driver at renault french team would make logical sense and we can see why it's something renault as a brand with quite a proud french heritage would prefer um i i said myself i thought that he, he might end up surviving a kind of another year uh and it would be more next time out sort of going for 2021 that this had all come about but it's not like we didn't expect it at all is it I guess
0: yeah definitely um I mean he's obviously already a driver they want because they came well supposedly there was already a kind of gentleman's handshake agreement that Ocon was going to be driving there this year until uh the Ricardo opportunity cropped up um but he's obviously a driver that they want and as you say a French driver a French team is uh something they clearly would like um and again it's i guess it's another case of mercedes not finding a spot for a junior driver so letting them go out and kind of find their own destiny um which is which is good at least he's not going to be sat on the sidelines for the the year um yeah i mean as hazel pointed out a couple of weeks ago it's not all sunshine and lollipops where that's concerned kind of they stopped uh verline testing for uh at the end of a season um, when they released him and stuff like that. But um, it's sounding like they finally sort of come to some agreements over him with Renault, which is, I think it's good to see. It'll be really nice to see him back on the grid if this does happen.
1: The question is, how long does he get before questions are asked about his performance if he's not performing? Yes, exactly. Because obviously everyone's looked at this with a little bit of a rose-tinted spectacle, I guess, of... um, Ocon's this amazing driver that unfairly lost his place on the grid and deserves better. But as time's gone on, I've started to really wonder, is he as good as we all sort of made him out to be? Is he another Hulkenberg, another
0: Verline, another one of these next best thing that never quite comes good? Um, Basically, yeah. I think most people can agree that that he at least deserves another shot at it.
1: Yeah, I think... I think my general point with this usually ends up being, I feel that he at least deserves a seat more than other people on the grid currently. Absolutely. And I think that's what it comes down to that maybe he might not end up being here on the grid that long, but I think there's definitely other people that he deserves to be there more than for sure.
0: Yeah. I think at least we can say if he kind of loses his seat. Now it's going to be because he didn't do the job rather than circumstances not, falling his way which is what's happened up until this point i guess yeah um so yeah that potentially opens up this hulkenberg to Haas move which we've talked about in the past it sounds kind of wild i can very much see him there we can also assume that means the end of grosjean at Haas, probably unless magnuson's got something else lined up we don't know about yet yeah um bottas down mercedes i think is the most logical choice for everyone involved it's, it's worked up until this point. Um, still can't see him beating Hamilton on a regular basis anytime soon, but if he can keep coming second and third while Hamilton's winning, that's all Mercedes really want from a second driver, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that... I think it, it really does come down to the fact that Bottas hasn't particularly underperformed as such. I think that he's just not able to achieve the same levels as someone like lewis exactly yeah um but he's able to achieve enough that mercedes are happy with him in that other seat
0: yes so by thursday at least some of this may have come true or none of it has and it was all wild speculation (laughs) um but we're getting to the point in the season where these things should start to fall into place um Something that's overdue falling into place is the calendar for next year, which has normally been sorted out uh, much earlier in the year than this, but um, it is still rumbling on. Uh, The news today, um, as of a couple of hours ago, in fact, is that the Circus of Catalonia has signed a one-year deal to host the Spanish Grand Prix next season. Um, It was, for a long time, the Spanish Grand Prix looked to be the one that was going to drop off, Uh, but it seems like it's going to stick around now. Teams have previously agreed to a 22 race calendar, uh, and with the Dutch and Vietnamese Grand Prix being added this year, that leaves Germany and Italy as the only two current circuits without a deal. And there's only space for one of them uh, after Mexico and Great Britain signed new deals recently. Um, Monza are saying all the right things about being confident that they'll have a new deal sorted soon. Um, It's the only track that's been in every F1 season since 1950, so they're keen to keep that going. It makes it look more likely than ever that uh, we won't have a German Grand Prix next season. Uh, Mercedes kind of bankrolled it this year, but they've said that was a a short-term thing and they don't plan on doing that beyond this year. So it's not looking good for Hockenheim, unfortunately.
1: Which is a shame because I think that for a couple of years it has produced some good races. To be fair, there's been good races there in the past. a lot of heritage there um it's a cool place to visit like there's a lot of reasons to keep it the german the success of the german drivers and the the german manufacturers like there are a lot of reasons that that track or at least a german track should stay on the calendar but it's just the way it goes i guess isn't it
0: yeah it is weird that the the reigning champions are a german team one of the best drivers in the world is German. There's a few other German drivers on the grid. It's weird that it's always... Because it's been a number of years now The German Grand Prix has been on and off the calendar and struggling for its place. It's...
1: I think they are in a very similar situation to that that Silverstone are in, where it's it's self-managed, isn't it? It's like it's the circuit funding its own entry into the calendar. Um Whereas, because their complaints are usually that certain other circuits get government backing and tourism backing and things like that to help fund their ability to be on the F1 calendar. Of course, yeah. Um, And I think both Hockenheim and the Nürburgring, when that was part of the calendar as well, They, they both had issues along the similar lines of what Silverstone tends to basically come out with once a year, which is, it's very difficult managing yourself and we don't have enough money and that that kind of thing. So it's a shame, but I, it just seems to be the way that it all goes. The only thing is that Liberty appear to be making much more of an effort to help circuits like that or yeah, um, at least find a way to keep the, the circuits with that heritage and that history on the, the calendar where they can. While still expanding into new territories and stuff,
0: yeah, they sort of recognise, as you say, that heritage and history and kind of what that means to fans and to drivers and teams as well. Like, yeah. I mean, I, there's not that many drivers that would, I guess, would go out of their way to defend Hockenheim, but a place like Silverstone and Monza for sure. Like, drivers are always going to say they're the kind of circuits they they want around. Um yeah. And Hockenheim does produce decent races as well, so it'll be a shame to see it go. I think. Yeah, I think so. Got to hope Zandvoort and Vietnam step up to uh, fill the void. Yeah. And then a final weird bit of news that popped out of nowhere this last week uh, is a potential new team seeking to join the grid in 2021. Uh, A team called Panthera Asia... Sorry, Panthera Team Asia F1 is what they're called um, in a kind of Tachita, Big Cat sort of naming convention. (laughs) Yeah. They supposedly have a temporary headquarters near Silverstone. Um, A guy called Benjamin Durand, who was uh, previously in charge of SMP and BR Engineering in um, World Endurance Championship, is one of the team's co-founders. They've also got a guy called Tim Milne, who's on board as head of aerodynamics. He's previously worked with Renault, Honda, Super Guri, Toyota, and Caterham um and they also there's also talk that they've got sort of sporting directors and technical directors lined up but they are still with existing f1 teams so they sort of can't start working for them yet they haven't approached the FIA for an entry as far as anyone can tell yet it's very much a all on paper at the moment and they're working towards this but the, the understanding is that they want to follow the quote-unquote Haas model of taking as many parts as they can from a existing team rather than the kind of Manor model of building from the ground up. Yeah. Um, obviously, the fact that we don't have solid 2021 rules yet doesn't necessarily work in their favor because it's not like they can start working on a car now and get ahead of the curve. Um, but it's it is interesting that... That's the year with all the new rules that a new team has sort of popped up, um, talking about potentially entering.
1: Yeah, we were obviously we've debated it a little bit as to will any of the changes attract new teams and new manufacturers and things like that. So it's nice that there's at least somebody considering it um, and publicly considering it as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, whether anything will come of this, who knows? Mm-hmm. We've had we've had these sort of stories in the past, like USF One, and there was Stefan GP as well, and they kind of fizzled out into nothing. Um, but I mean, if they already have a headquarters near Silverstone, that's a that's
1: a step forward
0: than just kind of written on the back of a
1: napkin somewhere, at least. Yeah, what that means is they're in they're in partnership to some degree with somebody that already exists near Silverstone probably. Yeah, which is which, usually the way. I mean,
0: when we were there we sort of noticed mm-hmm. that we were walking past the um the Dragon Formula E team headquarters, which yeah. was just in one of those buildings that just house racing teams.
1: Yeah. So there's there's plenty of stuff around there that it you know wouldn't surprise me if maybe there's links um you know with with names like Tim Millen involved, you know there's I guess there's potential that wouldn't necessarily be like a catrum or a Manor revival as such, would it? But there might be other people from that era that they bring in board and sort of rebuild a, a team with personnel that have worked in the sport fairly recently with recent teams or something like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's sort of decent names mentioned at least. Um, yeah. It'd be good to see another team, especially if they can do what Has did and be competitive from day one rather than, again, the kind of caterer and manner sort of era where they turned up and they existed, but they kind of all scrapped over, maybe grabbing a point if they were very, yeah. very, very lucky and nothing more than that.
1: Much like William. Yeah. Yes, um,
0: <laughs> but as I say, they're aiming for 2021, supposedly, so I guess we won't hear anything about that for a while. I don't know how early you have to lodge a uh, an entry with the FIA to get a place on the grid.
1: I think for something like 2021, they'd probably let them do it. Well, at least wait until the rules are set in stone. (laughs) You know, you have to commit now. We've not decided on the rules, but you must commit. It's still still supposed to be October, but we shall see. supposedly Um, it will be
0: October. Yeah. They have shown off uh, a actual physical wind tunnel model of the 2021 regulations uh, in this past week. Um, Which, again, from the numbers they quote from the wind tunnel stuff, it seems to do all the things they said they want to do in terms of uh, downforce levels and drag and all those kind of things. But again, this is a model built by the people making the rules, not a model built by the teams that will be building a fast car with those rules. Yeah. So we'll still have to wait and see if that actually translates. Yeah, definitely. And that is about all the news there is as it's been the summer break and it's been very very quiet
1: everyone's had a nice holiday and typically we've waited an extra day before um recording because of holidays here in the uk so instead of the news coming out on the tuesday it'll come out <laughs> on <a> wednesday <laughs>
0: yeah it'll be Ocon to mercedes announced tomorrow yep. hulkenberg will going to ferrari who knows
1: hulkenberg yeah. to ferrari <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow that'd be interesting <laughs> Bottas has to back to williams <laughs> um so let's look ahead to the belgian grand prix which is mere days away now um and it's always nice to come back from the summer break straight to belgium as well because it's just such a cool place to have an f1 race yeah um so some storylines going into that race uh first up can ferrari repeat their success of last year and finally get a win in 2019 it's wild to think they still haven't won this year but that's the situation we're in um on paper they should be very very good both here and in
1: Monza do yeah,
0: you think it's... that's going to
1: materialise? I really hope so Like, I've, I've resorted to the word hope um, <laughs> and I think that's exactly what it is uh, like Mercedes have put up a, a decent fight as we knew they would but what's surprising is how competitive against the top two Red Bull have been even if that's as much max as it is the car. I yeah. think some of the races coming up, that won't be as much of the case because I, I think that Red Bull would probably struggle in places like Spa and Manza. So I, I don't think that we're going to see a, a fight from Red Bull in in the next, well, in those two races particularly. But no. I, would, I would seriously hope that Ferrari can... Throw down the gauntlet and at least maybe have a strong end to the season? Hopefully,
0: yeah. I mean, they I think it's fair to say Vettel won the race last year on engine power. Yeah. Um so if as we all suspect that the Ferrari is still the best engine out there, it should <laughs> materialise that way again. But we will wait and see. Um another talking point which you kind of mentioned is whether the Red Bull and Verstappen combination will still be able to show kind of front running, race winning, even podium pace uh, despite Honda admitting this week that they still have a performance gap to the leaders um, as you say you wouldn't expect so but it's going to be interesting to see where Red Bull stack up this weekend because this, this track shouldn't suit them but the pace they've shown recently has been so good I wouldn't discount them being In the podium fight, potentially.
1: Do you think for this weekend? I think
0: they will potentially qualify well, but the problem, I guess, in Belgium is if you don't have that top end, you're just going to get driven past, aren't you? Like you're standing still. Yeah. I guess we'll see just how much these Honda gains have added. Um. I'm trying to think Red Red Bull haven't historically done
1: well at Spa, have they, I guess? No. Uh, like even in the era of what you would call their dominance, um I don't think they were particularly strong there. Mainly because of the nature of the circuit and yeah. the nature of their cars combined. Well, I guess we'll learn a lot about
0: just how good that combination has got this year. <laughs> yeah. Um and speaking of Red Bull how
1: is Albon going to get on in his first race for Red Bull? Yeah, it'd be interesting to see like, how quick he hits the ground running, or if he even hits the ground running, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's easy again to forget that not only is this his first race uh, for um, Red Bull, it's also his, what, 12th race ever? Is that how far into the season we are now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and and probably only the fifteenth or sixteenth day he's driven an F one car or weekend he's driven F one car at least. Like the speed he's moved forward is easy to forget, but it is wild. Um, do do, I guess the question is how quickly do we think he's going to be able to get up to speed,
1: and is he going to be given the time to do that? I think. The problem that he might find um, in terms of getting the seat when he has is the fact that you have the Belgian Grand Prix coming up, which is not an easy circuit, especially for you to just drop into a new car and suddenly find pace. We've then got Monza, which is not going to favour the Red Bulls more than likely. Singapore, which is a very difficult street circuit. yeah, And then Russia where things mellow out a little bit, I guess, Such Sochi. <laughs> so he's got three, I would say, quite difficult challenges coming up over the next yes. three race weekends. Monza not so much necessarily a challenge from his driving perspective, but more just how he deals with the fact that the Red Bull might get walked all over a, a little bit by stuff like the Ferrari and the Mercedes and, and whether he's just, he's got to just stay as close to max as he can, I think over the next three weekends um, while he finds his feet. And it's about how well he does that. uh, And just hope that the Red Bull faith in him is kind of reflected in his performance and like helps his confidence rather than the pressure hindering him. But yeah, totally. It's a difficult end to the season. I would I d I don't envy the guy. Like no. There's some there's some difficult circuits coming up. Belgium, Singapore, Japan, uh, Brazil, and even the even the US to a degree. Like there's, yeah. there's some very technical aspects to the US, like the um the S's in in the first sector and so on. Um A lot of tracks he's probably never driven in that list as well. Yeah. I guess that's the other factor as well, yeah.
0: Yeah. I guess the flip side to that is, at least with these first couple of races where you wouldn't expect Red Bull to be up there, if he's kind of bringing it home in the lower points positions, it looks better if you're doing that and Max is finishing maybe fourth, fifth, sixth, versus if you're doing that and Max is winning or getting a podium. So it's maybe not going to be, in terms of comparison, the hardest couple of races for him but yeah he's he's got a, a baptism of fire for sure in that
1: seat i think i think if he can do things like stay within half a second or so of max in quality and then stay on the lead lap <laughs> along with max yeah in a race i think he'll be doing okay because they're, they're two big criticisms that Gasly's had so far this season is how far off the pace he's been from Max in quality and then the fact that you know he's been getting lapped by his teammate. Um, so I think if, if Album can stay on top of things like that, he won't come under too much fire because people will have at least a little bit of... Um, what's the word? like, respect, I guess, for the fact that he is still a young man in his first season in the sport, being chucked into what is like a a front, well, not quite a front-running team, but he's definitely up there. So I think as long as he meets some fairly basic targets, people will cut him some slack.
0: I would hope so. I I think if people start criticising him for not, you know, matching Verstappen's pace straight away, then you, no one's ever going to fill that seat at that point, are they? Yeah. Um, all that being said, do you have a driver to watch in mind?
1: Um, it probably is going to have to be Albon, isn't it? There's
0: only really one, isn't it, this
1: week? Yeah. Like, I'm just interested to see how he does, and I'm not. I'm not expecting anything particular other than kind of what we just getting out there with how close can he be to max in quality and how like well, where will he finish in terms of yes. Yeah. So
0: yeah. I'm also interested to see how he copes with the extra attention. Cause yes, he's going to be probably the most spoken to person on the grid this weekend, Um which is a lot to take on all of a sudden. Like I'm sure that'll have prepped him for it, but And these young drivers are much better prepared for that kind of world these days. But even so, I guess what he really needs is a really big driver announcement to be made on Thursday just to take some of the attention off him for the rest of the weekend. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that would be useful. (laughs) But (laughs) if he's not him, I think it's Gasly because Pierre's now got a little bit of a weight off his shoulders almost and... Mm. It, the question would be, like, does he use this um, and use it to heighten his performance and, and show that he, he is better than Daniel and he deserves a seat back from Albon? Because like, this is his opportunity to do that, uh, is to be outperforming Kvyat for the remainder of the season and showing it was a mistake to do what they've done. But, yeah. Yeah, I'm. I'm very interested to see how he handles the demotion. Because, it's still both of them for opposite reasons, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like what I just really don't want to see is him spiral into like a pit of whatever it was that Daniel <laughs> Kavir ended up in in his previous yes. existence. And Formula wants one that. So hopefully that won't happen. But no. time will tell. Um, how about a team to watch? Um. I think McLaren, personally. I I think we've seen very good progress from them this season and there's a lot of speculation at the minute around at what point are they going to stop focusing this season and settle for we are comfortably fourth and start looking at next season and see if they can start to push for third for next year. Yeah. Because they're, they're realistically not going to get third. They're fairly comfortably in fourth. So I think at some point in the near future, if it hasn't already, that, that focus is going to shift massively to 2020. So I'd be interested to know where they come out this weekend and then where we see them going forward from there.
0: They could really do with like a resurgent... Haas and Racing Point couldn't they to start taking those points and stop sort of Renault and Alpha catching them just to really solidify that fourth place? So, as you can say, that can yeah. kind of draw a line under this season's car and move forward. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of, I'm going to say Haas for my team to watch. Um, they've said they're gonna, they're stopping with the old spec new spec experiments uh, as of this weekend and they're bringing some new updates kind of based on what they've learned from that sort of, what was it, a three-race kind of experiment they did. Um, So they seem to think they've cracked something that will help them move forward. So it will be interesting to see if they actually have managed
1: to do that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, the the interesting thing with the experiment, as you referred to it, is... (laughs) how terribly it went. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, basically. Like, what, what have they actually learned from that? But it'd be interesting to see. They seem to think they'll learn something at least. Yeah. Um, which brings us
0: on to predictions this weekend. Do you want to take us through predictions?
1: Yes, let's. Um, we've already got some from Stu uh, because he was away, so we made him do it <laughs> in advance so that we could go through them. So we've got hmm. his on the board already but we still have to have a at least a little bit of a think about ours i guess um so we will start where we always start i guess which is fastest in q three um stu went with lewis which to be fair given form i can see why um he was poor last year as well so he, you know he's he's always done fairly well here but i personally think or oh, think hope don't know a fine line <laughs> between the two but uh, ferrari with at least a little bit of fight i'm, I'm gonna put it out there and say seb
0: Ooh. Um, so i am thinking along the same lines as you but i think leclerc has had a bit more qualifying pace this year
1: so i'm going for a leclerc poll okay i've just realized that on the fly i've changed my opinion on this because I was originally <laughs> going to say Bottas for Paul and, oh, and then a Ferrari for the win but I've just randomly sort of flipped it around a little bit in I've a, had a in moment a of inspiration yeah um, but yeah in terms of win Stu's going for the double ham so he's going for a Hamilton win <laughs> I think I'm going to have to agree with him and Hamilton for win because his race pace has been pretty much unmatched this the majority of this season uh, so even if he's not on pole, I think he can still win it. And also combine that with the fact that pole position doesn't seem to necessarily net you a win this season. i No. I'm fairly certain, not 100% certain because I've not checked it, but fairly certain that more wins have come away from pole than pole itself this season.
0: This track as well, I think, tends yeah. to be a win from second or third kind of track, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Following that logic, I'm going to regret it, but I'm going to say a Vettel win. <laughs> oh, so it's a Ferrari weekend for Chris. I'm going for a Leclerc pole, Vettel second or third. Vettel gets a slipstream down the Camel Straight and takes the lead, and then Ferrari call that race off very, <laughs> very position, early on.
1: Position. <laughs> yeah, basically. Right, interesting. Well. That brings us into first the NF and <laughs> Stu has gone with Nico Hulkenberg, maybe fearing that Ocon, the announcement of Ocon replacing him, which is inevitable now that we've <laughs> talked about it, will send him into a downward spiral and into a wall or something. I don't know. Oh, no,
0: you know what it will be. <laughs> Hass will announce Hulkenberg and Magnussen for next season and then they will immediately crash into <laughs> each other. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or Grosjean will be the meat in a Hulkamberg and <laughs> sandwich. Yes. Oh, that would be that would be like just beautiful poetry, wouldn't it? It'd just be so poetic for something like that yep. to happen. Um, I'm going to make you go first on this because I'm still kind of thinking about it. <laughs> it's tricky, isn't it? Yeah. It, it there's a lot of like first
0: corner incidents where people that have qualified kind of. 4th to 8th kind of get caught up. So, who's going to be in that kind of ballpark? I'm almost tempted to go for a Red Bull, but I think I'm going to go for signs getting okay. T-boned by someone through Turn 1.
1: I think I'm going to go with Sergio Perez. I think... Force, oh Neil said Force India Racing (laughs) Point in their previous guise as Force India have had a fairly decent time at Spa so I can imagine that Perez might be able to qualify slightly higher than the average at the moment but I think that will then see him getting swamped by people that are better on race pace and then ultimately leading to some sort of turn one incident (laughs) Yeah, so that's where I'm going with that. Going Paris, I'm going Paris. Uh, number of finishes uh, last year. Let's see, we had uh, 15 finishes. So five yeah. retirements, all collision based as well.
0: Three of them in turn one as
1: well. Yeah, it was Hulkenberg, Alonso, Leclerc, wasn't it? the, yes. the big shunt. Uh, and then you had Kimmy and Danny Rick were the other two that went out last year. So, yeah, um, I think based on that, I'm going to go for Stu's old favourite number of 16 because he's gone for 17. So for my old favourite. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going to take 16, I think, for this. Stu's going to hate us, but I was actually also thinking 16. <laughs> He's not here, and we're both stealing his usual prediction of 16. And luck would dictate that when things like that happen, <laughs> none of us are right, and it'll be like yeah. 12. <laughs> <laughs> or it'll be 20. Or 20, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure I remember like predicting 20 finishes at somewhere that I was deemed crazy for doing so, and it ended up being 19. Might be Monaco, actually. Was it? Yeah. Didn't we have twenty finishes in Monaco this year? I think we did, actually. Yeah. yeah. Madness! Absolute scenes. <laughs> um, random driver. Okay, so we both already know what this one is. We usually draw it here and now, but with Stu not being here, we had to draw it a little bit earlier to make to give him chance to um, actually make a selection. And I swear, Chris has fixed this, but it's Albon. <laughs> I promise this was random. <laughs> Who were the options? We must have still have quite a few options left in the pot, I guess, at this um, point of the season.
0: Uh, we're down to the final eight, I believe. We'll have to uh, mm. re repopulate the pot for the final race. Uh, we've, still got, we've still got Hamilton, Leclerc, Gasly, Ricardo, Hulkenberg, and Ryken left in the pot. So a lot oh, of big names is, still in there.
1: Yeah. Weird that we've um, not had any of those yet.
0: But yeah, I mean if we could have picked a driver for this week, we'd have picked Albon and Albon is
1: the one that came out. Yeah. So Stu's going with what is the realistic expectation of him I guess, which is sick. Um that's what you'd expect him to be I guess. In theory, yes. I I have some confidence in him finishing the race and and sort of even if it's like just a bit of a he races his own race and Ends up not really with the front runners, but sort of comfortably enough of the midfield. I think that he'll be able to just race his own race, and I don't know. Maybe one of the retirements is one of the front runners, so I'm just going to be a little bit optimistic here and say fifth. Hmm. Well,
0: I'm I'm going to go the opposite and say oh, no. seventh. Okay, so it's still, still, okay. still there. I, but I want to make sure I say. I think seventh, and that's fine. Like seventh for his first race in a Red Bull will be absolutely fine.
1: Well, when you said you were going to say the opposite, I thought you were going to say like nineteenth. Yeah, (laughs) like he's done. He's done. He's out. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, interesting. I nearly went
0: eighth, but I had a little bit more confidence right at the death, so I've gone seventh. So we'll probably come eighth now. Good.
1: I think. I think that's reasonable expectations um but that is it from us for predictions so if you would like to submit yours be sure to head to backofthegrid.com where you can register even if you've not entered before it's never too late to join in because there is a prize every week for anyone that achieves five out of five and it has happened this season so do not dismay yes. <laughs>
0: Um, and let's finish up this week with some inbox Uh, the first is from Kota who says obviously your new yardstick driver should be Felix Rosenquist the fact that he has never tested an F1 car just adds a fun spin to it (laughs) (laughs) so this is off the back of us uh, someone mentioned that we should bring back are they better than Bruno Senna who used to be a yardstick driver asking for a new one Uh, Rosenquist has done a lot of stuff he's done a lot of Formula Renault some Formula 3 Macau a few times obviously yeah He's done blank pan, he's done indie light. He's obviously doing indie car now, Formula E for a long time. He did some DTM. He's got a pretty good C V. Oh, LMP two he's done as well. Yeah. Weather Tech Sports Car. Porsche Super Cup.
1: I've got a horrible feeling that if he if he doesn't end up getting a seat on the grid, Hulkenberg is going to become the yardstick.
0: I think so as well. Because
1: he is very much that yardstick. Like we all know he's not a bad driver. He's a decent driver. He's just never been quite good enough to seize that podium and and so on. And that's kind of the reason we chose Bruno Senna. Like Bruno was never a bad driver, but he was always just there or thereabouts in the points. And then he went to Formula E and did the same thing. And then he went to WEC and did the same thing. (laughs) I guess the only thing Hulkenberg has going for him is that he's won Le Mans. Yes, that is that's that's a pretty pretty good tick. Yeah, um, and he, I don't think he'd ever go to Formula E as we've previously discussed. No, so. I think
0: Rose and Chris isn't a terrible shout, but I think we like him too much to make him a yardstick. <laughs> is the problem?
1: <laughs> yeah, there is that, and I think ideally they need to have at least spend some time in or around F one. Yeah, definitely, I think. Interesting. Um, Sam Van Houten has said, I'm leaving for the Belgian GP tomorrow and can't wait. Do you think Red Bull can compete with the big dogs on this power-dependent track? Do you think Albon can hit the ground running?
0: Um, I do think Red Bull are probably going to struggle here. They, I don't think yeah. they're going to like fall into the clutches of the midfield. I think they're just going to be a very
1: lonely yeah, fifth and sixth. On pace, yeah. at least. Yeah, I'd, we've kind of touched on it already, I guess. Like, I think Max might be able to sort of keep in touch with the front runners, and then, but he will have to really work hard to do that. And I think Alex is probably going to be running his own race and yeah. just kind of tootling around on his own, <laughs> and which I just, think
0: would be fine for him. Actually, if he could just be on his own and just drive around and. In- putting some yeah. consistent laps for afternoon.
1: Yeah. Do you know what? That's that's probably the way that I'm going to judge the success of his weekend. If, if, it, if it comes down to him finishing 5th, 6th, 7th, that kind of position with him not being around many people all day, I think my judge of him is going to be the consistency of his lap times and then where they are compared to Max and and whatever and see like how far off that pace he is but actually how consistent he is and obviously if you see him getting quick what you'd expect to see him getting quicker but if you see him getting quicker with a consistent improvement it at least means he's getting to grips with the car fairly quickly and not struggling too much in that respect so i think Mm -hmm. that's the best place to to judge alban rather than his actual finishing position is how well he starts to handle the car consistently. Yeah, 100%. Uh,
0: David Sinnoh says, why is the prediction league so difficult? I think my brain is a GP2 engine.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> if we knew the answer to that, David, we would be doing much better really? in said prediction league.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, it's not the easiest thing. There's a, With anything in motorsport, there's always an element of luck. But yeah, I think too many people... Myself included, vote with the heart rather than the head. That is our biggest problem for sure. Like, come on, I've just put Vettel on pole. That's like <laughs> me just wanting the Ferraris to be able to put up a fight. It's That's what I want. It's not what I expect. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's a difficult one, but some people seem to manage it at least. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Vigo says, a bit off topic, but um, it will be the first race I ever attend. I'm guessing he means Belgium. Um, yes. I would like to know if you have any suggestions on what I have to pay attention to and what to certainly look forward to. I uh, love the podcast, by the way. Thank you for your efforts. Oh, thank You, very much, you picked Hugo. a good
0: first one to go to.
1: Yes, but yeah. I, do you know what? There was a moment about two weeks ago where I literally brought up tickets and I was like, can I get away with sneaking <laughs> off work for a few days to do this? But sadly, I changed my mind last minute. But... Um, it is none a very good one to actually, go to
0: yeah none of us have been there so we can't really talk specifics of that circuit but yeah. in terms of going to a race um i mean we kind of talked about it after we went to ourselves this year which is that in terms of the kind of fan zone stuff liberty are doing an amazing job with that stuff so yeah definitely don't I mean, obviously, Spa is a big place to get around. But if you can, don't just stay in your one spot, like make an effort to go and walk around the track a bit, see all that fan zone stuff, kind of get involved with some stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely. Like even if you have a grandstand ticket with a, a dedicated seat and a dedicated spot, if you are there for more than just the Sunday, I would always recommend using the Friday practice sessions and then the Saturdays to basically like – if wander around and see other parts of the circuit because you can go sit in your seat at any time but you've got that freedom earlier in the weekend to go sit in different grandstands or just go enjoy the rest of the circuit so i'd I'd always recommend that no matter what the circuit is a little bit more difficult i guess at spa than (laughs) other places because it's huge but i would still recommend getting to as much of it as you can and yeah, just go experience like different things. Oruge and Radion will be very difficult to get to, I can tell you that now. So maybe turn yes, up early yeah. one day and try and spend <sighs> some time there because that's the only way you're gonna get anywhere near. And being able to see that <laughs> clearly, because that's the first place everybody goes. But yeah just just enjoy it like taking as yeah. much as you can that's that's my big biggest recommendation yeah definitely and i'd
0: say i mean you say it's the first race you've been to i'm going to assume it's also the first time you've seen f1 cars in the flesh as it were i think one one good thing to do is always just to kind of find a spot to just sit and watch the cars all going through the same bit for a while and it's amazing yeah. how much you can sort of observe and learn and discern from just watching the cars going through and their behaviour and how much they're leaning over and listening for sort of breaking points when they're back on the throttle and things like that. You can really get a feel for who's quick and who's not on the differences just by sitting in one spot and watching the cars. And it's, I mean, it's it's incredibly nerdy, but I find it very interesting and very rewarding kind of yeah. just seeing and
1: watching them. I guess it also comes down to like, what it is you enjoy or like about the sport that kind of thing because if you know if you've got a particular driver that you know if you're in it for a driver you're going to want to try and prioritize spending some time looking out for that driver but if you're into sort of the nerd and the tech side i guess like we are then it's really interesting just to see anything and sort of picking a particular corner that you know is it's going to show the cars working at their best like if honestly if you can get to sort of orushum and Radeon and and so on just watch the cars through there because you'll know from watching them on TV it's it's an amazing spectacle to see but you will see the difference between the cars as well going through there at yeah the definitely oh and watch the support races
0: especially formula 2 make sure you yeah. you're there to see those cuz they're often the best races of the weekend
1: yeah don't let them pass you by
0: no Uh, Brooke Archer writes in to say, Williams are still obviously bottom of the barrel coming out of the summer break. Do you think they'll make any drastic improvements towards the end of the year and score more points on a regular basis?
1: I feel a bit bad saying Williams are obviously bottom of the barrel. We can hope, can't we? (laughs) Am I just delusional now? (laughs) Maybe. I think points on a regular basis
0: is probably a no. More points in general, I would hope. They've been gradually closing that gap
1: bit by bit across the season. Their biggest credit for this season is the number of times they've both brought the car home. Um, Yeah. And with circuits like Singapore and so on still to come, then I think there's chances in places like that for them to score points because we get retirements in Singapore. Yeah. So, uh, Abu Dhabi, you know, a lot of you you tend to get retirements because everyone's on their like their final (laughs) cycle of a component and things like that. Like engines start going pop towards the end of the season because, like, people are on their last power unit or or whatever it might be. So, I think there's definitely an opportunity there. Um, Something like Mexico, maybe because of the way that the altitude stops the power deficit being as much of an impact but then again that's not really where their problem lies i guess is it so no yeah. it does negate a lot of the arrow though being so high up so maybe that will True. help them out yeah so i i could see them scoring another point or two maybe but yeah i don't think i'd consider them to be catching up with the rest of the pack anytime soon no Uh, And lastly, this week, uh, Don Paul Queen says... um, It's two questions to this, actually. Or the same question, but in slightly different angles. So, (laughs) angle one. What's your favourite F1 track, current or not, to watch a race, whether it's live or TV?
0: It's a bit of a boring cop-out answer, because it's the place I've been to the most, but it's Silverstone, honestly. Um, In terms of live, I just love being at that place. Um... And I think I like watching it on TV as well because the atmosphere there does come across on TV and it is a spectacular yeah.
1: place to be on race day. Um, oh, Very difficult. Obviously, I've been to like a few different ones, so I, I could maybe pick an opinion from there. But I have genuinely, honestly, enjoyed them all. I think in terms of watching on TV, I've always loved uh, Suzuka. Always, yeah, that's a good answer. Um, just because of the the technical aspects of like the S's and so on, um, and the drama that it it can provide with the weather and stuff. So, I think, in terms of to watch on TV, it's probably Suzuka. The other angle of the question was, What is your favorite F1 track current or not to drive on an F1 video game? I have a bit of a funny answer and then a serious answer. So <laughs> whether you whether you want to hear both or or what do you? Want to hear them. Well, the funny one is back in like F one ninety eight. Um, the old Hockenheim. You used to, <laughs> when it used to go into the woods still, and though it was, it used to be once upon a time. It was like a huge straight through the woods and went right round and then back on itself. And then at a later date, sort of during the 90s, I think, they added chicanes into there so it wasn't just a long straight through the woods. Yeah. And in the F198 game, you used to be able to just drive straight across those without yeah. getting any penalty. So I'd like start at the back of the grid and I'd just drive through the field <laughs> and cut the chicane and be like, ah, I've seen a bit, guys. <laughs> and so that was, just, that was just a really fun experience as a, as a younger gamer. Uh, but in more recent times <laughs> it's probably oh, it's a very close call between Spa and Istanbul. oh, Istanbul's a great shout. I used Can to love driving that. Istanbul, and I was always disappointed I've been disappointed ever since I took it off the calendar, but yeah, I used to love track. driving around that track uh, and as did many of the grid I think yeah but yeah it's a it's a very close call between that and Spa in terms of like a serious answer
0: my answer without a shadow of a doubt is montreal i've probably driven Ooh, yeah i've probably driven more laps around Ooh. that track on f1 games than every other track combined i've just pounded around it's there's no track in video games that i'm faster around than montreal there's just something
1: <laughs> about that place that i just love driving around because it's technically an XF one track I'm also going to throw Donington into the mix because (laughs) I've driven so many laps around Donington. One, because it's probably the closest race circuit to me physically in in reality, but also just because I've been obsessed with it since I was like a very small kid. (laughs) And yeah, watching Senna like demolish people around there in the wet was something to behold as a youngster. So I've always had like a weird Soft spot for Donington, and I've done a lot of laps around there, much like you have in Canada. So I'm yeah. terrible
0: at Donington, I'm so bad at that circuit. I'll have you race there, then why not? Oh, great! <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a, a two race series, Donington and Montreal, <laughs> <laughs> just on repeat. <laughs> yeah, um, and that'll just about do us for this week. Uh, we are mere days away for the Belgian Grand Prix, so I hope you all enjoy F1 being back. Uh, you can join us uh, next week for a review of that race. Uh, And Stu should be back for that one as well, back from his adventures. Um, (laughs) And we'll be back on a normal set of hosts on a normal schedule, I think, at that point. Um, But thank you very much for sticking with us uh, over the summer. Uh, And thank you for us this week. And we will speak to you next week. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. I totally forgot to do any of the socials in that outro. So I'm just going to do them now. And Tom can leave this bit at the end of the episode. You You can follow us on Twitter at BackoftheGridF1. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just search BackoftheGrid. And the website, of course, is BackoftheGrid.com. Thanks, everyone.
1: (laughs) I didn't even realize that you'd forgot to do that until you just said it. I did the second the music
0: started.